Hi, this is Pastor Mike from Compass in Monterey County. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast. I hope it encourages you and gives you confidence that Jesus is by your side and that his plans for you are to bless you. Has anybody had an argument with somebody this week? Don't raise your hands. Anybody had conflict with someone this week? Well, you might be surprised to learn that conflict is one of your best opportunities to draw closer to another person. That's what I'd like to talk about today. You know, people come up to me once in a while and say, what's the most, the single most important thing to do in a marriage? And when people ask me that, I talk about what I'm talking about today. Because... The quickest way to turn an argument into intimacy is by doing what I'm speaking about today. The quickest way to get rid of a critical spirit inside of yourself is to do what I'm talking about today. It's the best way to control your temper. And it is the single best way to deepen a friendship with anyone. What I'm talking about is trading places with them. Go stand in their shoes. We call it empathy. It's to understand why they feel and think the way they do. It's to understand why they feel. Why they feel. Not just that they feel. Why they feel the way they do. And why they think what they do. I believe the greatest obstacle to success, whether it's in marriage or it's in business, is the illusion of knowledge. The illusion of knowledge. People think they know more than they do. And because of that, they're not teachable. When you think you already know, then you're not open to learning what you don't know which is probably the most important thing you need to know in order to be a success in your marriage. People think, oh, I just know it already, and I know how she feels, I know what he's like. But in fact, ignorance is invincible. We've been married 10 years, 20 years, or 30 years, and so we think we already know how they feel and what they're thinking. When in fact, we're so often clueless. We don't know what we don't know. When we refuse to trade places, to stand in the other person's shoes, whether it's in marriage or at work or with a child, we quite literally become ignorant. Let me, let me give you some examples of what clueless people say in a marriage. I don't understand why she does that. Clueless. I have no idea why he gets so angry. I can't understand why she keeps bringing that up over and over. I don't understand why you fill in the blank. All of those sayings are indications that a person's empathy tank is on empty. 
They have become clueless. And what they need to do is go stand in that person's shoes and start to learn and understand. Because when you understand, you're more understanding. Did you hear that? When you understand, you're more understanding. I guarantee you, that the deepest hunger of every person sitting around you this morning is for someone to understand how I feel, the situation that I'm in right now, the problems I have, the fears I have. Will someone please understand me? Imagine someone is in a river and in trouble. This is an image of the typical three ways that people relate to other people. Persons in the river, they're struggling against the current. A person comes walking along the bank and begins to instruct them on how to swim to the side of the river. Swim this way, swim harder, try harder. That's an advice giver. They're a fix-it person. Another person walks along the river bank and they see the person struggling in the river and they say, gee, I'm so sorry, so sorry. And then they keep walking. That's a sympathizer. I really feel bad. Third person comes by, sees the person struggling in the river and jumps into the river. That's an, a person with empathy. They go be with them. They get in it. Now let me ask you. Which of the three persons, if you were in the river, would you feel closest to? The person who jumps in with you. Not the advice giver. Not the sympathizer. The person who comes and stands in your shoes and begins to understand why you feel the way you do. And why you're afraid. And why. What kind of situation you are in. That's what builds relationships. Jesus said it this way, Do unto others as you would have them do to you. So how do you do this? Well, first, hit the pause button on your mouth. And instead, listen to understand what it's like to be in their shoes. Hit the pause button and listen to understand the biggest mistake I think that people make in conflict, whether it's in a marriage or at work, is they keep arguing. <laughs> they keep pushing their point, keep hoping the other person would change their mind and understand. And it's futile. All that is is throwing gas on the fire. You've got to hit the pause button and go stand in their shoes and feel what it's like to be them. I have a tremendous announcement to make this morning. It, the medical profession has actually invented what is called a pregnancy simulator. See the picture on the screen? This guy is an actual soon-to-be father. And his wife bought him this pregnancy simulator and he's in it. This thing actually works. Um, it gives you... The, the experience of being pregnant. You gain weight, the feeling of gaining weight. You feel the baby kick inside you. 
You can only breathe shallow breaths. You have the feeling of being sick. It puts pressure on your bladder and gives you a sense of urgency. You can buy this for $699 at empathybelly.com. I'm not making this up. A lot of women are writing this down. It'd make a great birthday gift for him. Great Christmas gift. It's not too late for him to understand what you've done for him. Am I right? Raise your hand. Yes. Go out and buy this thing. It actually works. They have found that a man who will wear this for a day or two has far greater patience with his pregnant wife and becomes far more understanding and helpful to her. Why? He spent some time in her shoes. He knows what it's like. In fact, a lot of people I know struggle to control their temper or to be more patient. I want you to know there's no magical prayer to become more patient. No. The way you become more patient with a person is begin to understand what it's like to be in their position. Understand them. And you'll have more understanding. In fact, researchers have found that 90% of conflict would be solved if people would do nothing else than hit the pause button on their mouth and listen to try to understand what it's like to be in the other person's shoes. Trade places. It prevents meltdowns. A few years ago, American Airlines had a huge lost baggage problem. All kinds of complaints were coming in because they were losing the baggage of many, many people. The CEO of American Airlines did his best to get managers to fix the problem, but the problem didn't get fixed. But he got a great idea. He had his managers from all around the country fly into headquarters for a four-day meeting. And he made sure their luggage was lost. <laughs> True story. For four days, their luggage didn't, they didn't find their luggage. And they had the experience of wearing the same clothes every day, including socks and underwear, had to go out and buy toiletries. They didn't find their luggage until they got back home. Do you know what happened? Amazing thing. Within a week, the luggage problem was solved in American Airlines. Because that CEO had made them understand what it's like to have your luggage lost. Jesus said it this way. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Trade places with them. Walk a mile in their shoes. Eric Wienermeyer is perhaps the world's greatest listener. I don't think anybody would debate that. Because on May, 21, May 25th, 2001, he reached the top of Mount Everest. Very few people have accomplished that. In fact, 169 people have died trying to do that. 
And 90% of those who do attempt it don't make it to the top. Now, what makes this even more amazing? Eric is totally blind. Blind. He can't see a thing. How did he do it? He listened very carefully to a bell that was tied on the back of a climber just in front of him. Listened real carefully to know where to go. And he listened carefully to his teammates who said things to him like, Death fall two feet to your right. He made it to the top of Mount Everest because he listened as if his life depended upon it. And it did. Your marriage, the closeness of it is in direct correlation to how well you listen. You see, the secret road to the heart is the ear. The hard work of love is to listen. The hard work of love is to care enough to listen. I should be clear about this one thing, though. Hearing words isn't the same thing as listening. A tape recorder can hear words and record them. That's not the same thing as listening. To what is being said behind the words, the feelings that are being expressed that aren't so much put into words. It's called empathetic listening. Listening that seeks to stand in their shoes and feel what they feel. That's the hard work of love. It means I treasure you. It means you're so important to me. I want to know how you feel and I'm going to listen hard. That's what it means to really care about a person. Let me give you an example. Imagine a couple, a married couple is stuck in traffic. And uh, they're, they're going nowhere fast. And imagine that the wife says... I'm going to be in so much trouble when I get there. If I'm late for this meeting, my, my boss is going to have a meltdown. Her husband says to her, Honey, don't worry. Everybody understands what it's like to be stuck in traffic. Did he hear? He heard her words, but he wasn't listening to what was behind it. He did the typical male thing, which is, I'll fix it for you. The typical thing is this. You know, really, you shouldn't be afraid because you have nothing to be afraid about and then explained why. How does she feel? She feels alone in that car. She feels alone because he didn't listen, put himself in her place with the kind of boss she must have and begin to feel the anxiety that she was feeling. You see, he stood on the riverbank and he tried to fix her. And he did try to say a little bit, you know, I feel bad for you. But he did not jump into the river with her. Trade places. Instead of soothing her, he was solving her. Trade places if you want to really develop a close friendship and relationship. 
My experience in counseling is that very few couples listen to each other. They don't, they don't do this because they don't have time. They're too busy to listen and to stand in each other's shoes. They only have time to stand on the riverbank and either give advice or say, I'm so sorry, and go on and not listen. I think the reason is, is our kids are overscheduled. And so we're overscheduled. What I hear is, go, 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 go. And if the family happens to have dinner together, which is not that often, the TV is on, people are up and down doing things, nobody's listening. And they wonder why they drift apart. Ignorance is invincible. Let me tell you about a marriage that was on life support about 10 years ago. They'd only been married three years when they came in to me for counseling. And the guy let me know right away that he didn't want to be there. He didn't believe in counseling, didn't need counseling. He was just drug in there by her. So I said to him, I'm going to ask you to only do one thing every day for just two weeks. And at the end of two weeks, if your marriage isn't better, we'll call it quits. Okay, I can do that. Just two weeks, one thing a day. And what I said to him was, I want you to um, sit for just ten minutes a day. And answer, each of you answer, two simple questions. The first question is, what was the high point of my day today and why? Second question, what was the low point of my day today and why? I want you to have the TV off, your cell phones off, the landline uh, uh, line on mute, the kids in the room are in bed, no distractions, just for 10 minutes. What was the high point of my day and why? And what was the low point of my day and why? Now I put and why on there because so many couples do what I call report talk. You know report talk? This, this, and this happened. We're done. That's a report, like a police report. No, why is so crucial. Why? Two weeks later, they come walking into my office, and I could tell by looking on their face right away. The guy says to me, I can't believe what I learned about how I was hurting my wife and how I've hurt her. It's changed our marriage because she deserves better than the way I was treating her. Two simple questions. What was the high point of your day and why? And what was the low point of your day and why? And what that did was begin to help them stand in each other's shoes. And that builds connection. Jesus put it this way, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You want to be understood? Then go stand in their shoes. Go first. Secondly, trading places is doing something to show that you care. 
Love is a verb, not a feeling. Do something to show that you care. Did you know that the word care literally means to be sad? That's what it originally meant. And so even the word communicates beginning to to feel what they feel. To go stand in their shoes. The best marriages always feel what the other person feels. The best parents feel what their children feel. The best businesses teach their employees to do the same. Did you know that Disneyland works very hard with its employees that are out in the park exposed? Works very hard for them to understand what it's like to be a parent with your kids running all around this park. So that they can better serve those parents. Caring is jumping in the river and doing something to help make a difference. Winston Churchill, who's my favorite person, historical character, famously said, we make our living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. You know, that applies to marriage. Applies to friendship. That's how you get friends. It applies to having an abundant life. You make abundant life by what you give, not what you get. It applies to churches. You know, in all churches, there are people who take and take and give back very little in the plate as it goes by. And they're the very same people who complain that if money's ever mentioned, all the church wants to do is to get its hand in my pocket. You know, they never seem to connect that money makes ministry happen. They never seem to connect that giving is what makes possible Sunday school downstairs. That giving makes possible ministry to seniors and to shut-ins. That giving makes possible all the counseling that goes on in this church that saves marriages and lives every week. They just complain because they're takers and not givers. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That also applies to giving time. You know, volunteerism is way down in America. I think it's because you're hearing more frequently, you know, you only live once. That's not true. There's heaven, eternity. But if you've got that in your mind, you're going to be a taker, not a giver. You don't have enough time to give away. Your time is slipping away. Let somebody else do it. People stand on the riverbank complaining about gangs and kids. What's happened to kids in this world? And never think, maybe I need to give my time down there to at-risk kids over at Kids Central. And make a difference, changing Salinas one kid at a time. They never seem to think that maybe the youth ministries that are changing this city need help. They just stand on the riverbank taking, never giving. I remember in my church in Denver years ago, a professional 
man and woman married who lived in a very nice house, drove brand new, very nice cars, and gave almost nothing to the church in either time or money. But every week they were there taking. Every week. Eventually they came in for counseling in their marriage, which was on the rocks. And it was apparent very soon what the problem was. It was, what have you done for me lately? What, what am I getting out of this relationship? Just as they lived within the church and in the community as takers, they it carried over to their marriage. They were just taking. Neither was giving. That marriage failed because I failed as a counselor. I could never get them beyond the taking mentality. Let me tell you what's wrong with the taking mentality in marriage or in a church or wherever is. You have a scarcity mentality. The glass is always half full. Because you see what's missing. You want more and more. Takers never get satisfied. Takers are always complainers. It's a miserable way to live. Jennifer Rothschild tells a story about a married woman who went blind almost overnight. Totally blind. Of course, she was crushed by this. She fell into a deep depression. How could she go to work? What kind of wife was she going to be? But she had a husband, Mark, who loved her very much. And he promised her that he would help her develop skills that would regain her self-confidence and self-esteem and help her function. And so after several months, Jennifer began to feel more confident because of his help and felt that she could go back to work. Mark promised that he would help her. And so every day, he would drive his wife to work, walk her into her office, help her get settled. And then he'd drive across town to the military base where he was an officer. And then at the end of the day, he would drive back across town, pick up his wife at her office, and take her home. This went on for several months until finally, logistically for him, it was impossible for him to get to the base on time. And so he finally had to tell her that he couldn't keep this up, that she would have to take the bus. And she protested, I can't ride the bus to work, I'm blind. How am I going to know what direction to go after I get off the bus? And how am I going to know when I'm coming up to steps and how many steps there are? You're abandoning me. He told her that he would help her become equipped so that she could handle these challenges. And so for every day for a couple of weeks, they practiced getting on the bus, getting off the bus, knowing which direction to go, at what angle, and across the parking lot and up the steps and how many steps they were and they practiced until finally she felt confident she could do it. And so on Monday morning, 
she got on the bus and she went to work. And at the end of the day, she came home. Flawless. Tuesday, she got up, dressed, got to the bus, went to work, came home at the end of the day, flawless. Wednesday, the same thing. Thursday, the same thing. And on Friday, she got on the bus and she started to pay her fare. And the bus driver said, ma'am, you sure are lucky. And she said, are you talking to me? And the driver said, yes. It must be wonderful to be cared for as much as you are. And she replied, I don't know what you're talking about. And the bus driver said, well, you know, every morning when I drop you off at your stop, there's a man standing over at the corner. He's dressed in a military uniform. He must be some kind of army officer or something. And he watches you step off the bus and he watches you turn to go across that parking lot. And he never takes his eyes off of you. And a little distance away, he walks beside you. And when you put your hand on the door of the building, he's not very far away. And when you open that door and go inside, he's still watching to make sure you get safely inside. And once that door closes... He comes to attention and he salutes you. And then he blows you a kiss. Do you think that brought them closer together? Go stand in their shoes. Experience what they are experiencing. Understand their feelings. Understand what it's like to be them in their place. Trading places. Walking a mile in their shoes. It's the single most important thing you can do in a marriage. And in any relationship. It'll turn conflict into closeness. It will build a deep connection between you. It will recover a marriage that is in trouble because it will build understanding in you. And the more you understand, the more understanding you become. Jesus put it this way. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Would you pray with me? I'm going to ask you to bow your head. Even if you're not, you don't believe in God, just out of respect for other people who do. They don't want you looking at them as they pray. Whose name did God bring to mind during this message? Where there's conflict, the connection is, is dissolving. Quarreling, anybody been quarreling? Would you be willing to pray silently to Jesus? At least make me willing to be willing, Lord. Maybe you'd even be willing to say, Lord, I am willing. Give me the power from heaven 
to keep my mouth shut and to start listening, to jump into the river and to understand why they feel the way they do and do what they do. Help me, Lord. Would you pray that prayer to Jesus? Lord Jesus, whatever names are coming to mind right now, I pray that we'd be willing to be willing. Help us, Jesus, to go first. We pray this in your name. Amen. That was such a relevant message from Dr. Mike. You can order a DVD copy from the website of Compass Church of Monterey County. If these messages are helping you, why not share them with friends and family? It's a great way to be a blessing to others. May God's blessing and favor be upon your life.